Hello, I'm Erica Lucas, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the Marriage Covenant and the Ruach HaKodesh. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is June 6th, 2022. And today we're going to be talking about the Marriage Covenant and the Ruach HaKodesh. Before we get into that, let me uh, tell you that this week's portion, Torah portion, is in Numbers chapter 4 verses 21 through chapter 7 verses 89. Then you have the half Torah portion, which is Judges chapter 13 verses 2 to chapter 13 verse 25. I'm not really sure why it was written that way. Anyways, the Brit Hadashah is Acts chapter 21, verses 17 to 32. And I forgot to tell you, the Torah portion this week is called Naso, which means take up. And I'm going to be honest with you, this particular week, I have been a complete slacker. And I did listen to the Torah portion. I did not read the half Torah or the Brit Hadashah. I should have. This week uh, was actually kind of difficult for me. I'm still, I know, I just got back from are traveling for the funeral and we actually got back last Monday Monday afternoon I'd say and I'm still recovering this is how long it takes my my poor body to recover from things I actually probably had not probably I did I had one good day last week where I went and did some thrift shopping with my daughters because they really needed some clothes for the summertime and that was it the rest of the week I was in uh, quite a bit of pain and was not functioning too well. So I apologize. I did not do my due diligence this week. Even though I encourage you guys to do this, I'm being open and honest with you. I did not do what I should have this past week. So I ask for your forgiveness, but I did also want to touch base a little bit. Yesterday was the end of Shavuot, which is one of the spring feasts of the Lord. And I didn't touch base on it last week because my heart was just so filled with the need to talk about leaving a legacy because of the people I got to spend time with. We were just blessed to spend time with during the funeral and whatnot. So I really wanted to get that out first. So kind of giving you the Cliff Notes version at this point. Last year, I did talk about Shavuot. I'll continue to do that every single year. May or may not be on time. So even though it was, you know, yesterday, um, Shavuot, and, and even this is kind of a testament to that fact, Shavuot is probably the most overlooked Feast of the Lord. It is a day of Pentecost, and I'd even say even in Christian circles, it's not something that's made too big of a deal about. And I think that's a mistake, but I also think that it kind of coincides with the fact that when you think about Adonai, and you think about him is Adonai the Father, Yeshua the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The one we tend to overlook the most is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And I'm not really sure why that is. It just happens to be the way that it is. And I don't think that it should be. I think that they should all be equally recognized because they're all parts of Adonai. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about the marriage covenant. And you're like, what in the world does it have to do with Shavuot? So Shavuot has to do with a few things. Traditionally, it is thought to 
be the same time when the Hebrews, the Jewish people were given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai or the Ten Words. It's also considered the time, at least in Christian circles, this is where the day of Pentecost occurred when the people were in the upper room. um, Yeshua's disciples were in the upper room after he had left them. And he told them that they would have a helper come to them, this Holy Spirit. And that's when they received the Ruach HaKodesh. So it's actually really important, but I still don't, we, we tend to overlook things we cannot see. And for whatever reason, you know, we tend I think, cling more to Yeshua because he did walk on this earth. So he's the most relatable and the, the Ruach HaKodesh is probably the least relatable um, because it's, it's spirit, right? It's a spirit of Adonai. So I wanted to, I, I'm going to have to give you the cliff notes because I want to go over this in this book that you know that I love because I go, <laughs> I talk a lot about this book. It's a complete guide to celebrating our Messiah in the festivals by Susan Mortimer. And in the portion for Pentecost or Shavuot, she talks about a lot of things. And the first thing, she, uh, one of the things she talks about for this particular feast is God's covenants because God made two important covenants. They are sometimes described in scripture as marriage covenants between God and his people. You can study how they compare with a traditional Jewish wedding and covenant. Why are we talking about that? Because the same thing at Mount, at Mount, uh, sorry, really stumbling with my words today. At Mount Sinai, the Israelites made a covenant with Adonai. Which is the same time when they got the Ten Commandments. They chose to make a covenant with Adonai. The second covenant we'll get into as well. So what I'm going to do is read to you what she has to say about it. I'm also going to give you where you can find that in scripture to back up what she states. So if you'd like a pen and paper, this would be a really good podcast to do that with because I cannot read all of the different verses because if I did, we'd still be here three hours later. So a Jewish wedding and God's marriage covenant with Israel. Frequently in scripture, Adonai refers to Israel as his wife, so we may picture the making of the covenant as a wedding ceremony. God's covenant with Israel has many elements that are found in traditional Jewish weddings. Number one, the marriage is arranged by a matchmaker. If you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, you know exactly what they're talking about here. Moshe was the matchmaker or go-between for Israel and Adonai. You can find that in Exodus 19, verses 3 to 6. Number two, the bride has a right to veto the marriage or agree to it. Israel agreed to it. Find that in Exodus 19, 7 through 8. Number three, the bride takes a ritual bath or mikvah in a body of water such as a lake or river. Israel passed through the Red Sea or the Reed Sea before meeting Adonai at Mount Sinai. Exodus 14, 21 through 22. Number four, the bride prepares herself for the wedding. The Israelites washed and got ready. Find that in Exodus 19, 10 through 11. Number five, before the wedding, the bride and groom have a short face-to-face meeting to affirm their intentions. God met with Israel. Exodus chapter 19, 16, 18 through 19. Number six, the marriage covenant or contract the ketubah 
is spoken aloud and agreed upon. God spoke to Israel. Even though they were afraid, they said they would listen and fulfill their part of the contract. You'll find that Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 19. Number seven, the marriage contract, the ketubah, is written as a legal document, much like a prenuptial agreement stating the terms for each party. Moshe wrote the covenant in a book and read it to the people. Then he went up in the mountain where God wrote the marriage covenant in stone. Exodus chapter 40, 24 verses 4 through 12. Number eight, the wedding takes place under a canopy, a chuppah. The covenant was ratified under the shadow of Mount Sinai and the cloud of God's glory. Exodus chapter 24, verse 8 through 18. Nine, breaking the marriage contract, or ketubah, is a serious matter. With Moshe away, the Israelites soon broke their side of the covenant. Exodus 32. Number 10, the broken marriage contract, the ketubah, is void. Only by the grace of God did he renew his marriage covenant, giving a second pair of stone tablets. Exodus chapter 34, 1, 10, and 28. Number 11, the bride's veil is lifted so the groom can claim her as the one he intended to marry. This tradition began because Yaakov was tricked into marrying a veiled Leah instead of Rachel. Moshe put a veil over his face unless he was in Adonai's presence. Exodus 34. Number 12, a house must be built for the couple to live in together. Israel built the tabernacle for Adonai, and the Shekinah, the dwelling glory of Adonai, came down to live among the people. Exodus chapter 40, verses 17, 34, and 34. Number 13, the law, the Torah, states that a husband could not go to battle for a full year after his wedding. I'd like to state this for the, for, it's probably pretty good that we were not Messianic believers at the time, because when I first got married to my husband, he left me two weeks later, so, to go to Afghanistan. So, good thing that evidently we weren't observing that, because that might have been problematic for the Marine Corps. Deuteronomy 24, 5 says the Israelites stayed at the foot of Mount Sinai for nearly a year and fought no battles. The sad truth is that Israel soon broke the sacred covenant when she worshipped other gods. It was like a wife committing adultery or even prostitution. So the broken covenant. Number one, Israel abandons God. God is broken brokenhearted over the waywardness of his bride. Jeremiah 2, 1 through 32. Number two, Israel gets a divorce. God divorces the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Jeremiah 3, 6 through 14. Number three, God speaks of an eternal marriage covenant. Jeremiah 31, 32 to 33. This one I'm going to read. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares Adonai. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares Adonai. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So then we get into the eternal marriage covenant. This is the one that we are living with right now. Are the new and old covenants different? Yes, just as a shadow is different from the object casting the shadow. 
The law, the Torah, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. Hebrew 10.1 For the first covenant relied on human ability to be righteous. The eternal covenant is more precious than the first since it relies solely on the righteousness of Yeshua. The eternal covenant includes both Jew and Gentile, which was God's plan since the first time he spoke to Avraham. Adonai has said to Avram, leave your country and go to the land. I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, one through three. So in this light, the eternal covenant is a fulfillment of what God had in mind from the beginning. What was the cost of each covenant? Both of the covenants had to be put into effect by blood. Hebrews 9 verses 18 through 20. The first covenant used the blood of animals, but the eternal covenant cost Yeshua his life. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 25. Paul or Shaul gives believers a blessing by the blood of the eternal covenant. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Two, how did this marriage experience differ from the first one? Fear came with the first covenant, rejoicing with the second. Moshe was the mediator or matchmaker of the first. Yeshua is the mediator of the eternal covenant. Hebrews 12, 18 through 24. And Hebrews 9, 15. What is the main difference of the covenants? The eternal marriage covenant comes with more glory and with the Ruach, the Spirit. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 through 18. For how can we keep the contract, the ketubah, any better than Israel and Judah did? We can't, but Yeshua loved the church so much that he died for her. It is his righteousness that keeps the covenants for us. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Number five, when will we dwell with him? We do not know when Yeshua will return for us, but he told us he's preparing a home for us and will come for us when it is ready. John 14, two through six. Number six, what will it be like at the wedding supper? When Yeshua returns, there'll be a joyous and glorious wedding supper. Revelation 19, six through nine. And Matthew 26, 29. May we all be ready for that time. Now, Ketubah is the Hebrew word for marriage covenant. In the Bible, God talks about his relationship to his people in terms of a marriage covenant. If you become part of a bride of Messiah, this is what you believe. Adonai, as the holy bridegroom, came down on Mount Sinai. He had selected Israel from all the nations of the world to be his bride and redeemed her from slavery. According to the Jewish calendar, this day was Friday the 6th of Savan in the year 2448 dating from the creation of the world. Adonai gave the law, the Torah, as the ketubah, or marriage covenant. He promised to love, protect, and provide for Israel, and she in turn was to faithfully obey the 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments. Then Adonai came down into the middle of the Israelite camp to dwell with his bride, showing his dwelling presence as a pillar of cloud and fire hovering over the tabernacle. However, Adonai knew that Israel could not keep her side of the ketubah. He had planned from before the creation of the world to turn that disaster into blessing. 
his son would come down to dwell among his people in human form and offer himself as a sacrifice that would cleanse not only the Jewish people, but also the rest of mankind from their failure and sin. He would make a new ketubah that would not depend on the bride's ability to be perfect. He is the bridegroom, and all who believe in him are his bride. He promises eternal life to those who accept him as their husband. By his own blood, he cleanses his bride, making her pure and spotless before Adonai. In addition, he sent the Ruach HaKodesh to dwell in his bride until his return. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So that brings us to who is the Ruach HaKodesh? Let me pause for a moment as I get us something to drink. Ah, good chicken broth. Anyways, so the Holy Spirit, who is the Ruach HaKodesh? In Joel 2, 28-29, it says, And afterward I will pour out my Ruach on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Ruach in those days. Beautiful. I just, that's, that's the word of the day. It's just beautiful. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of Adonai except the Ruach of God. He is as much God as your spirit is you. He is involved in many things that only God can do. Below are a few examples. So let me read you some of these examples. Adonai's spirit. This is where he's involved. He was involved in creation. Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Ruach of God was hovering over the waters. He moved men to prophesy in 2 Peter 1-21. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Ruach HaKodesh. Ephesians 1.13, he was involved in salvation, and you also were included in Hamashiach when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. He promised the promised Ruach HaKodesh. He's involved in sanctification. Romans 15.16, God made Shaul to be a minister of Yeshua HaMashiach to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of Adonai. So the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to Adonai, sanctified by the Ruach HaKodesh. But what was the role of the Ruach HaKodesh in Yeshua's life? Uh, okay, his conception, Luke 1.35. His baptism, Matthew 3.16-17. His temptation, Matthew 4.1. His ministry, Acts 10.38. I hope that you are able to write all these things down because these are really great verses and I really wish I could read all of them. And after Yeshua's ascension, the Ruach testifies of Yeshua, John 15, 26, acknowledges Yeshua, John, 1 John 4, 2 through 3, says Yeshua is supreme, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Super important question. How do you receive the Ruach HaKodesh? Matthew 3, 11, you receive the Ruach HaKodesh from Yeshua. 
John the Baptist, Yohanan the Immerser, said of Yeshua, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Ruach HaKodesh and with fire. If you turn to Yeshua, Acts 2.38, Peter, Kepha, replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. Acts 11, 15-17, when you believe. Peter Kepa explained what happened when Gentiles believed in Yeshua. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in Yeshua HaMashiach, who was I to think that I could oppose Adonai? Now who can receive the Ruach HaKodesh? All nations, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh. Those who ask can receive. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Ruach HaKodesh to those who ask him? Now, what does the Ruach HaKodesh do for us? It gives us spiritual birth. John 3, 5 through 6 and 8. It seals us. Ephesians 1, 13-14, it quenches spiritual thirst. Revelation 22, 17, it dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, stays with us forever. John 14, 16-17, intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26, enables sonship. Romans 8, 15, writes on our hearts. 2 Corinthians 3, 3, teaches us. John 14, 26, frees us from the power of sin, Romans 8, 9, transforms us, Corinthians 3, 18, empowers us, Acts 1, 8, gives us the words, Luke 12, 11 through 12, produces eternal life, Galatians 6, 8, produces fruit in us, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, gives us wisdom. Ephesians 1.17 gives us discernment. 1 Corinthians 2.14 gives us all different gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.7-11. And I realize it's like, man, I really wish I had my Bible in front of me right now so I could look up all these different verses she's telling me. I really would ask that you'd maybe take a pause on this if you are driving or taking a shower or doing something else to maybe use this as almost like a devotional for the week. Because this is such a great, deep study that you can learn like so much about what the Ruach does for us. And out of respect for the Ruach HaKodesh, what should we not do? We do not speak out against him. Luke 12.10. We do not grieve him, which is found in Ephesians 4.29-32. And we do not let any substance influence your behavior. Ephesians 5.18. What should we remember as we use the gifts of the Ruach HaKodesh? 1 Corinthians 12, 31, 13 to chapter 13. And now I'll show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And that is what we should remember as we use the gifts of the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, this is so important for us to really understand. What happens to us? What do we become without the influence of the Ruach HaKodesh? 2 Timothy 3, 2-8. This is abridged. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. These men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. So that's what we become as a people without the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that, to me, is a very big warning for us as believers. We need to remember who we are in Yeshua and to stick to his word. I do encourage you, please, 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 do a study based on all the different verses that I gave you on what the Ruach HaKodesh does for us in lieu of Yeshua being here on earth with us. The spirit is inside of us. And if we allow him to, he will help us. He will guide us. He will lead us in the right paths. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Bashem Yeshua, shalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. I apologize for kind of rushing through that. Even I thought I talked fast, but there's so much goodness in this particular study in, in learning about the marriage covenant between us and Adonai and the importance of it and also learning more about the Ruach HaKodesh. Don't put him to the side. Don't stick him in a corner. Have him become partners in your life, every day-to-day things. I pray that you have a great week and that you will tune in next time. I'll be here next Monday. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike. 
the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica Lacasse. And it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet. If you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment, I would love to hear from you.